you must learn to take loss. If something is bad, no matter how much you put into it, it's bad. Are you getting my point? Just close it. It's bad business. And let me tell you, this happens in everything, including relationships. Don't they pursue one woman for a long time? You spent money, spent money. And you know, you have been, I've been loving her for the last three years. Let me just say, don't love anybody for more than six months. You know, I have my own core beliefs. I know you do, but if you follow me, you will live long. I know what I'm telling you. I can't be loving a woman for one year. You didn't marry her. For what? Are you her father? <laughs> Anything beyond six months must be brotherly love. That is communal love, like we love all the sisters in fellowship. Praise God. Once you pass six months, I must have talked to your father. Otherwise, I, know the, I won't talk to you again. Just leave me alone. If I propose to you, answer me within a short while. Are you a long-term stock market investment? I'm not doing <laughs> And listen, women, let me just let me digress more. I hope we will pray to the apostle the way we are going. I hope we are going to get to the point of prayer because I'm looking at time now. If we don't pray, they will pray next time. Let's just. Uh, <laughs> I just want to give a tip on marriage and relationship and things like that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Women, say amen. amen. You are not many here, so just say it loud. Amen. Single ones, I don't mean. To. Anybody that has had four children should not talk. <laughs> if you're on the fourth pregnancy, too. <laughs> I didn't mention anybody's name. Am I looking your direction? The Lord is good. What I'm going to say, look, any man proposing to you, tell him to tell you the wedding date. If he doesn't add it to it, don't say yes. Any ring you give me must have a date inside. Ah, all the young ladies are looking at me and say, I can't do that. Then don't agree. Don't, don't get engaged to a man who doesn't have marriage plans. I hear stupid things like, uh, he said after now, he will go and do his master's. When he comes back, he will marry. The person going to take you to academic planning. What are you? <laughs> what are you? They will sit you down between the after that I do my PhD. I'll be here waiting for you. <laughs> PhD call. I, I can't understand for women. Nobody's counseling. Come, let me counsel you. <laughs> one day, one sister will talk to me, one of our sisters. I tell me, say, one marry my guy. So, okay, so one of you guys getting married. He said, no, right now he's doing uh, something. After that, I say, he'll finish master. I, and meanwhile, when you, you'll be jogging around Opera Square, meanwhile, i <laughs> marking time on one spot. He said, I love him. That love eh, is a lie. It does not exist. Some of you say, What's, all this butterfly love is worldly, it's ungodly, it's, it borders on satanic. You can't love a man you have not married. Every other thing is a joke. Okay. Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. You can be attracted. You can have affection, but the real love is ignited by a priest saying, I pronounce you man and wife. After that, an attempted love. You can truncate it anytime if you don't like it. The attraction. 
Why did if love now? So why did God put covenant in marriage? Any man that wants to propose to you doesn't have wedding dates. Ignore him. Say so you look like a nice boyfriend. Be phoning me, no wala. <laughs> but collect your ring, God forbid. I ain't taking. I'm not taking it. A man is not allowed to get engaged unless he wants to marry. Why do you get engaged and you're not planning to marry? What kind of joke is that? Okay, forget the guy. It's you, lady, I'm talking to. Has somebody be using you to play? Please, the one where I know is that somebody will take you to academic planning. That's the one I don't get. I will not do master after that. I'll get a job. Maybe when my slide reaches a particular amount, we'll now be able to plan. He said, no, bro. No, no, no problem, sir. My brother, no problem. No, no, Allah. My younger sister is about to finish. When you reach that time, she goes, don't reach of age. I have a younger sister in second year university. She's waiting for you. As for me, the Bible says when you are persecuted in one city, flee to the next. This is, this, is, this is the other version of persecution. I'm going. He said, Pastor Banky, but I love him. There's no problem. Come and see me. When I'm done with you, you won't love him again. I, when I give you a set of lectures, when I tell you the truth about the man, I, I, I've done it before. It's not my first time. Get one sister, when I finish talking to him, next time I see the guy, say, I know they marry again. Sure, that guy won't like me again. Who cares? I've delivered her. Oh, now, when I tell you the truth. What are, oh, God. What's happening to the apostle? I'm supposed to be praying. Who will pray? Just talk. Anyway, back to what I was saying. You have to learn to take loss, even in that area. No matter what, this is, I've had friends that have had engagements that lasted some long time, and then the, now the woman can't do them bad or destroy the whole thing. All the men that, that have had that happen to them, they were married within six months. The year that the locust ate, the palmer worm, the canker worm, the Lord restored double. She's a woman for three years, you married the next one in three months. Is the job principle after you have suffered? You comfort as good. You'll be shining like everybody will be marrying you. I'm telling you the truth. In fact, let me there was one I was telling guys last night, you know. People say, I hope you don't believe this lie that you need a long engagement to get to know each other. It's a lie. You need a lifetime to get to know each other. Marry him, you'll be learning later. Other things, he say, ah, what if he's not compatible? Nobody's compatible. They learn these things. <laughs> Is anybody compatible? The most incompatible human being you've ever seen is my wife and I. Mrs. B and me. Uh, we are not compatible at all. She likes to play. I like to chill. If I want to look, I say, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> Compatibility, you learn it. The first time you, bought, you, you drove a car, were you compatible with a car? When you want to go like this, the car will turn around like because you didn't know how to turn the steering. Everything was wrong. What did you do? You settled down and learned. You learn how to press the clutch or release the clutch, press the brake, you be gentle. You, you realize that you don't turn the steering so fast, you glide it, you learn it. Then you and the car become compatible. Is that not so? All this compatibility doctrine is not in your Bible. I hope you know. 
Rebecca and Isaac, they were not compatible. Rebecca was compatible with Eliezer of Damascus, who came to marry her. <laughs> that was the person he saw. She saw. And he did all the talking, and they carried the woman. And he said, is that the husband? He said, yes. And then she covered herself. And that was it. That's the woman. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And we appreciate your effort. They, you know, they married before they saw. I have a friend in this town. He and his wife are now very compatible. They never saw each other one day until they had paid her bride price. The first time they saw was when she traveled to go and buy some things. She, then he was living abroad. So he came to look for, wait for her at the airport. Nigerian, not Indian. And the Indians, the white people, the Americans laugh at all the time. They have a much more stable marriage than the people that date and know each other for three years do. Rubbish, nonsense. Oh, what's going on today? Is this marriage seminar? What I'm trying to say is that forget all of these things. Some people won't like it. If it's, if it's pure romance story you have read. If it's Bible stories, if it's Bible story, let me just say, number one reason you marry somebody is recommendation. I'm talking about natural play now. I'm not talking about, there's a spiritual aspect. But if, listen, if sound good people don't think you should marry the man, don't marry him. Oh, God. If I women, I feel sorry for most. Any man chasing you will be nice. Doesn't mean he's a good man. Arm robbers can be nice at home. Yes. Let me leave. I'm not doing marriage seminar today. But I'm sure somebody has been helped. I'm just, and for you men, I've been talking to the women. You men, don't, if you are not ready to marry, don't propose marriage to anybody. Don't come there and be disturbing the woman's soul. Some men are just very wicked. The guy doesn't even know what's happening. He doesn't want to look like a bad person to say I'm the one that broke the relationship. The guy is not going forward. He's not going backward. He's every day is telling stories. Hey, guys, before you go and propose marriage to anybody, first make up your mind you want to marry. Amen. Set the date between you and yourself first. Say, okay, 2016, by God's mercies, by so-so-and-so time. Good. So if you propose in January, by February, you've asked, please, when can I see your father? By March, you have gone to see, oh, guys, me. By April, your father has joined you and your uncles and your mother. By May, now don't pay bride price. Ah, six months. Why did I stretch it to be that long? It's too long, Zef. Let's start again. <laughs> but you get the point I'm making. It's progress from the beginning. The Lord is good. How did I get there? What was I saying? I'm just wondering how did I even get to take a loss in the first place? I don't know. Okay, I remember everything. I'm just wondering because I had my message for today based on Peter. Listen to me. I'm not kidding about it. Be ready to take a loss. If you decide that, okay, now that I've spent all, all, all this time, what do I do? Don't even think about what do I do. If you're wrong, you are wrong, you repent. You can't travel a wrong road forever thinking eventually it become right. That's the point I'm just making. And one of the first things you learn in life as a believer is how to take loss. You could even have gone to school. 
studied a subject for four years, at the end of the day, realized that this was not my life. Don't say, okay, I now have the certificate, I must use it. You don't have to use it. You don't have to use it. There are people who just persist in what is wrong. Some people have gone abroad. When they reached there, they realized that they came alone. Holy Spirit, back at home. Angels, they didn't board the flight. Help is at home. Favor did not come on this flight. Since they reached there, nothing has worked well. And when they wake up in the morning, frustration. In fact, they are afraid for day to come. Because it will be another opportunity to demonstrate that they are not going anywhere. Then when it is day, they are afraid for night to come. Because the time they will be alone to be able to think and realize that they are frustrated. Yet, okay, see, oh girl, oh boy, go back home now. No. What will they say when I get back home? That is their problem. There are many of your friends, they are in London, they are in the US, they are in South Africa, they have not come home. They are not going forward, they are not going backward, they are not even, in fact, the life, life is just at a standstill. Why can't they go back home? Ah, ah, boy is back home and making progress. He left five years ago, till now. And the point is that that's how he would do. You can't, like I said, you can't travel a wrong road for a long time to become right. It is Christian to know how to take loss. You know, <laughs> you know one day, one little boy went to his father, collected his inheritance. He didn't know how to handle life. Life punished him very well. His name is the prodigal son of the Bible. Then one day, you know what he did? He said, I will go back home. I will go and say I was wrong. I will tell my father I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I've just come, just give me a job. That's what he went on to do. He said, my father's servants are eating better than these people here. But let me just get back home and get a job with my father. That's, that's a Christian attitude. Be ready to take a loss. One day God looked at um, Samuel was mourning. Why was Samuel mourning? Because God has rejected Saul. And God now said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. There's a, there's a deep thing in here. Until you stop mourning Saul, you will not know the house of Jesse. I hope you get my point. Until you stop the attachment to Saul, you will not be able to anoint your David. That is just the principle of life. God said, listen, enough of mourning Saul. Get up, let's go somewhere else. Get up, let's go somewhere else. The business is bad, it's bad. But I invested millions, two million, five million, and I've been on this business for the last half many years. If it is bad business, you are just going to invest more money and invest more time the sum will still be zero. So save yourself the issue now. And the good thing about God is that, oh, somebody said God is good. God is good. Say it again. God is good. Say it again. God is good. Every time a man agrees, a woman agrees and says I was wrong, sometimes God does it as if you never did anything wrong. He will give you back everything you lost. Even the time. People make it look like time, time is not fixed. A day with the Lord is like a thousand years. 
It will give you progress in one year to cover up the time you lost in 10 years. Just for you to say, I was wrong. I said all of this, I know where I began from. I was explaining that the advantage we have as believers is that we can pray. I was explaining what fasting is. That, that's what we do as believers, we settle down. Come on, after all these years, you will know when things are not working well for you. I like one thing with the man, Kenneth Higgins, who I quote a lot because I've listened to him more than any other single preacher in this life. So that's why I quote him so much. And I know a lot of his stories. He said one day he went to pray, realized that things were not working well. Even though outwardly they seemed to be working well. He was living in the best house he had ever lived in. He was passing the biggest church he had ever pastored. He was driving the best car he had ever driven. Things were working. He said his children were eating the best foods they had ever eaten. He said, but every day he wakes up, he knows something is wrong. He just couldn't put his finger on it. You know, there's a feeling you get when you're satisfied. He never got at them. So he began to pray. It took a few days off to go and pray. And this is what I want to explain to Christians. You just take a Bible, take a notebook, take a book. For me, let me talk my own personal experience. Your own may be different. I just listen to a message, then I start thinking. I read a book, like one of the things I like to do, if I have to do things like that, I just pick a book like, um, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, maybe plans, purposes, and, and pursuits. I have messages like that that deal on the plan of God. Like an egg has one called Answering the Call. If you listen to Answering the Call, it's, it, it puts your mind on call, call things, plan, plan things, ministry, ministry things. And then when you think about your ministry, you get direction. You know? He just started meditating. So the man went and did that. By the second or third day, I don't know how many days now. I can't remember for sure. He said, suddenly he heard the Holy Spirit say to him, inside him. Let's summarize it. That God said, I never called you to be a pastor. He said, but I've been pastoring for 15 years. Is it 12 years? He said, that was never my plan for you. At the end of 15, he left that church with some other things. At the end of 15 years, one day again he was praying. I think this was a vision. He saw a vision. And God told him that it was at the end of 15 years he entered into the first phase of the ministry God had for him. If he had stubbornly remained and said, no, this is what I want to do. I cannot invest 15 years and tell me that I'm not supposed to be a pastor. What will I go home and tell my wife and my children? What will I tell my relatives? What will my father say? What will my mother say? From what he has taught us in the other messages... He would not even have lived to the age of 50. All that story we are telling. When he was obeying God and not prophesying as he was supposed to prophesy, he was going to die at 55. How much money did he even go out to obey at all? But of course, he obeyed. He stopped pastoring. He began to teach, prophesy, go from one place to the other. Eventually, the man affected... Look at me quoting him here today. He literally affected hundreds of millions of people. That's my own estimate of it. Because anybody I am affecting was indirectly affected by him. I hope you're getting my point. That's the way it is. We must learn to take that loss. Go and listen to that message. I'm recommending it. Take that loss. If the Holy Spirit corrects you and says what you are doing is not what you are supposed to be doing, your friends will say, don't ever... How do I know it's the voice of the Holy Spirit? Wait for a moment. Listen. How you know that you are doing what is wrong is the reason why you are stubbornly continuing. Once you hear things like, this is how I've always done it. Ah, after six years, you are telling me what we did was not was wrong. That's when you know you are wrong. 
You are not using the right premise to stick what we are doing. You don't feel that like this is the righteousness of God. You just say, after, I mean, sometimes my wife and I are talking. You know some people, why they never change church? Maybe, you know, your parents gave their life to Christ, everything. But listen, the man has attended the same church for 40 years. 40 years. He now said he believed. You want him to agree now that for 40 years he has been wrong. That's why the many people will not agree. They will die in that their denomination. I hope you've gotten my point. If I was talking to you, I hope you heard it. <laughs> the Lord is good. I don't know who I was talking to. But you know why I went to do that by saying that that is the advantage we have when it comes to what? Fasting and praying. Fasting is not about persuading God to change his mind. Fasting is about persuading ourselves to change our minds. <laughs> Are you getting my point? It's the time we set aside and say, ah, let me really introspect. Let me sit down and examine my life. Not just with human eyes. Yeah, by this age, my cousin had built a house. But the, no, that's not what I mean. I mean you settle down with the word of God. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Are my principles correct? Holy Spirit, that which I see not, teach me. And you take time out until you know that, yes, I have correct direction for my life. That's what we have as our advantage as Christians. That is what we fast for. That is why hunger, in fact, like I said, you know, not everybody shares my opinion, but I'll keep on expressing it. I'll help those who are willing to learn in that area. That's why if you're so-called fasting and your stomach is disturbing you, the Holy Spirit can't stop to talk to a man that stomach is paining. I hope you know. If your glucose level is too low, we won't know whether it's the vision of God or the vision of hypoglycemia. Yes, I'm, you, know, you know I won't lie to you. Those who have not eaten, they see vision. That is, who are, who are hypoglycemic. They see vision. What are you saying? Why is the spirit coming like this and going? Coming like this and going. It's not, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's hunger. Go and drink a bottle of Fanta. Believe me, the vision will be clearer. There was one day, one day I was talking with, I was talking with the pastor's wife many years ago. He said, those days, those days, when they used to fall, and they said, we used, I used to see things clearly. You see, I said, and the woman was a nurse. I said, ma, are you sure? And I looked at the woman. Perpetual hypoglycemia with ketoacidosis. You will see things. You know what I mean? When you are metabolizing fat, <laughs> doctors will call it ketoacidosis. <laughs> when you have ketone bodies running around your brain, you will see things. You will see things. You will think you saw an angel, you will do like this, it will disappear. <laughs> <laughs> what am I trying to explain? People say that Jesus didn't eat for 40 days, he was not hungry. Moses did not eat for 40 days, he was not hungry. Elijah did not eat for 40 days, he was not hungry. I hope you are getting my point. They were filled with the glory of God at such times. The Bible says clearly concerning Jesus, it was afterwards he became hungry. He said, train yourself until you get to that level. When did Elijah do training? What am I saying? In that period of your fasting... If you wake up in the morning, you want to pray, and your stomach is praying his own prayer, just wait. Stomach, let's reconcile, let's reconcile. Your body is not an evil thing. It's what God gave you to be able to communicate with this physical environment. Give it a small cup of tea, you know what I mean, um, cocoa. Eat a slice of bread. You have not broken the fast. You've taught the stomach, I'm doing the praying, not you. If you say, you, bro- you haven't broken your fast. You've just energized it. So at this fast, I'm the one that will fast on the stomach with disturbing my soul. You know, I won't lie to you. It's how to help Christians that God sent me to go and do. Say, Pastor Vang, you don't like to fast. My brother, I don't fast too before. 
I didn't, it didn't get us anywhere. We have to read the Bible and say, God, <laughs> what is going on here? Some people said that they were surprised to hear. Wait, don't tell him that WF Kumi said he had never fasted for more than two days. You're the one. How many days? Three days. WF Kumi said, I just, won't believe it. Uh, you think because in deeper life, you know the job? Bro, no. <laughs> forget that side. Forget that side. Bro, said, oh, after all these decades, he's never done it for more than three days. If I the one I will never agree with, I don't know how you want to show for so you say you won't drink water, you won't eat food for three days. Why? I don't know the meaning. No. Please wake up, wake up and follow God. Forget all of these things. Though. Why would you want to do that? Why would you? No, listen. Let's talk. Let's tell the truth. Why would you want to do that? You just be disobeying God by not eating and drinking for three days. Yes. You just refuse to eat and drink for three days. The only people that do it legally are Buddhists and Hindus. Who are trying to use the power of flesh to contract the realm of the spirit. It's so unchristian. Don't worry, I know I'm the only one saying it. And I don't care, I'll say it. Because if I don't say it, nobody will be speaking the truth. So let's, let's those who want to learn have a reference point. You can't just make up your mind. That you will not eat and drink for three days. It is bad. It does not make you spiritual. It means you don't understand the scriptures. Just you don't go just chop. Three straight days. Okay, you don't want to eat, thank you. But water. I don't think you should make up your mind you won't drink water at any time. I think it's wrong. You should never even go near that. Because water doesn't disturb anybody so. It doesn't weigh you down. If it's food, heavy food, I can understand. It can be distracting. Your wife shouldn't be causing temptation by frying some things when you are fasting. Are you getting my point? <laughs> because you bring your mind from the room into the kitchen. It's not good. Uh-huh. But it's the attention that we need. It's not the punishing of the body. That one is unchristian. I said I want to eat directly. Please don't disagree with me on this. You must never at any time refuse to drink water. Yes, I'm telling you. If you want to set aside to focus on the things of the spirit, it is not as if you say, I will not eat, I will not drink. No. If you get hungry, get a glass of something and drink. And continue fasting and pray. What I mean, we may have been laughing, but God sees my heart, is after many years of meditating, I've been a Christian for a long time too. The time we used to fast from morning till evening was 1988, not today. 1987, sorry. Oh, I was a second-year medical student at that time. We'll go for dissection, anatomy. But I don't dissect by the time it's 12 o'clock. So you go to train That's not even the bad side. Your guys go good job, come back. You continue practicals till evening. The most tempting side was that the book was on our way to the hostel. I've been walking past like a little book. Resist the book. <laughs> They now say you should pray. How can you pray? Don't lie. How can you pray? Now they with prayer. <laughs> like my mother's friend said, they will now do. You say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> my mother said, wait, did you kill people? <laughs> 
seven days they won't eat. So one day she went to visit the woman. By the time your friend is escorting you, they stagger like this. I beg, I beg. Go back home. Go back home. <laughs> the Lord is good though. I'm telling you the truth. See, this is Christianity we came for. Jesus has delivered us from all of those. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus has delivered us. I'm not emphasizing to us that our fasting as believers, in the, if you go and read, read the whole book of Acts and Lord, that Christians didn't do that. Every time that, Paul, no, really, really, if somebody's wondering why I'm talking like this, go and read the scriptures. The Christians never did it. The time when he said that, they, they, that let's just, just read that so that it will be that. The book of Acts, just quickly go to the book of Acts chapter 13. Let's just get this clear. In verse 13, in verse 1, it says, Now there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Sorry, <laughs> let's keep on using Saul. We just learnt it now, so let's get used to it. Okay, let's just say the one everybody understands. And Saul. He said, and while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, they had, when, then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now, what I want to just bring out here, okay, is because so you will understand this thing. Let me just explain what somebody said. Now, first of all, this was not a protracted thing. It was a meeting. I don't know whether I get my point. It was a meeting. They were not here for one month. They came in the morning. In that church, they were ministering, you know. They were ministering to the Lord and fasting. What Kenneth Higgin said, which I believe very strongly, is this. They were ministering to God. They were having a meeting like this. And it was a long meeting. You must understand, Christians, don't they? They used to have very long meetings. Paul would preach and preach and preach late into the night. Jesus would teach and teach and teach. People would be with him for days. It's not this one that will come from office, jets come for Bible study, one and the other, bam, we're back. No. They could come for Bible study like this, and they are there for money. Now, what happened was that, because, and in fact, I was listening to, my, uh, to David Paulson teach him yesterday, and he explained something. That those days, he was analyzing the book of Corinthians, first and the second letters of Paul to the Corinthians. That those days, what you call um, the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, was always a feast. So they used to, you know, feast. It's not like uh, we queue up and be sharing these tiny, tiny bits of uh, bread uh-huh, and say that. No. It was a, and that's why Paul was saying that some, some will get drunk on the, on the blood. Are you getting my point? <laughs> yes. They will eat. And the problem was that there was not a case in which some had much and some didn't have. And it was communion. So you must understand that their own habits are different, were different from our habits of today. Now, I'm going to an issue here. So when these men were ministering, they have long meetings. There are times they will break to go and eat because the meetings were long. But because they were ministering to the Lord, the time for the meal came, they refused to interrupt it, and they continued. I hope you are getting my point. So they probably said in the morning, I don't know whether they took breakfast or not. I'm not even discussing that. 
But they kept on ministering to the Lord and missing all the meals. That's what I was talking about. They did not declare a 40 days fast. They just started a program. That's what I want, to, I want you to understand. They just started a program. When Paul talked about in fastings, do you understand? What he was referring to is that there were times they would go for mission work and there would be no food to eat. But Christians try, they, 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 they want to make it look as if uh, Paul used to declare fast. No, Paul never did that. When he said that in hunger and thirst and in fastings often, in cold, go and look at it. He was talking about his afflictions. Let me read it for you. If you read the Second Corinthians chapter 11, Paul said, hmm, these people say they are pre- preachers, they are apostles. Let's just start verse 16. He said, again, I say, let no one think me foolish. But if you do, receive me even as foolish, that I also may boast a little. That which I am speaking, I am not speaking as the Lord would, but as in foolishness. He says, verse 18, says, since many boast according to the flesh, let me also boast according to the flesh. Now, look, look at what he said. Verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if I'm crazy. I more so. Listen to this. This is a proof. In more labors, in far more imprisonments. Can you see? Is the troubles he was describing. Beating times without number. Often in danger of death. That's verse 23. Verse 24. He said, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. That is in the ocean. 24 hours. Verse 26. I have been on frequent journeys. In dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst. If you have a King James, he say, in fastings. My Bible says, often without food. In cold and exposure. That's what Paul was talking about. Paul never got up wanting to declare a 40-day fast of hunger. Christians, wake up. Stop this modified Buddhism and Hinduism. Come into Christianity. That's what I'm going to explain. When Paul described it, when he used the word fasting, he was describing the things that he suffered. That many times will be dead, there will be nothing to eat. The same thing you find when he referred to it in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, in afflictions, in hardships, in distress, in beatings, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, hunger. That's what King James calls fastings. Christians say, for God, no, listen. This was the distress the man went through. It was not a spiritual discipline he was describing. I hope you are getting my point here. What we do as Christians, what we call fasting, is to set aside time to look and say, Lord, which direction is my life going in? It's not that we are trying to kill ourselves with hunger. No, we take time aside. You put off the phone. 
you're married, you tell your wife, please, I don't want to be disturbed. If people will come and disturb you, and she can't keep on saying, of course, she can't be saying you're not available, she doesn't know how to explain, then leave the house. Go and visit a friend who will, will understand. Can I have a room in your house? I just need some quiet. When it's night, I will go back home. I don't want anybody disturbing me. I'll just be reading my Bible and praying and have a notebook and I begin to follow the instructions that come to my heart. You understand? I'm analyzing my life. I know. God, you, find, you can finish two, three days like that and the Lord makes it clear to you. Say, all those are your friendships. Better start cutting them to an end. That's why you're not going anywhere. It can be as trivial as that. It can be you are done and you say, I'm closing down this business. I'm moving on from here. Or this how I've done this business is not right. That is what we do with fastings. I hope you've gotten what I'm going to say here. I hope you've gotten my point too. In summary, what have I said? I didn't say what I wanted to say, which was the issue of um, Peter walking on water. How we respond to situations so that we don't sink. But the Holy Spirit made us go this way. I'm just saying let's be corrected. Let's be willing to change our minds. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. And one of the ways we know what is wrong is how we take time out to find out. I hope somebody has been blessed today. I hope somebody has been blessed today. It's well with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Quickly, let's rise to our feet and share the grace. Time has really gone on us. It's well with you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 2016 is a good year for you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we move about, God will open doors that you did not even know were there for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The next phase of your life will start because you've been obedient to the word of truth in this phase. And you will not even know that something is about to happen. But the chariots of Pharaoh will come. Come to your own prison, and next you know you are being set on the throne that God ordained for you. That will be your testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Whether it feels like it or not, I want you to know things are moving in your life. Amen. Whether it feels like it or not, I want you to know things are moving in your life. Amen. Let me say it to you one more time. Forget how you feel. I want you to know that things are moving in your life. Amen. I heard the story again. I was reading somewhere about the bamboo, the Chinese bamboo which a man took care of for years. And then one day, in six months, it grew from zero to zero, 100 feet. All the while, it was sinking its roots down. Your roots have been going down. He said, the remnant of the house of Jacob shall take roots downwards, and then they shall bear fruit upward. If you don't see fruit upward, it does not mean roots are not going down. And I declare to you that your roots have been going down, and you are about to start bearing your fruit in the name of Jesus Christ. It's well within your going out. Is well with you in your coming in. Amen. No evil will befall you, Amen. and no plague will come near your dwelling place. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, let's share the grace in fellowship. Remember, we are adding multiplication to it. Can you remember that? Right, let's share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we are passed out of death, and we are passed into life. We are passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We are passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of fruitfulness.